You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Ken, and I'm here in the studio with Jeff and Neil, and we have Matt over Skype. Let's go to Matt first. What's up, Matt? Uh, nothing is up. Things are great. Uh, your, your, life. your team just won the NBA championship the other day? Yep. Your Long favorite? Long-time fan, yeah. Los Angeles Lakers, my hometown team. I can't believe I'm going to have to message uh, Kendall Portillo because I, I don't think there's been a fan of the Lakers longer than Matt Arts. So I, I think <laughs> you've just been a fan your entire life. I mean, I mean... Always. Well, she was just saying she was not a fan. I turned her on to the team, really. She is, was a Clippers how, fan, right? I think she would say that. Yeah. Jeff, care to weigh in? Um, no, I, I I was just trying to think if I knew anything interesting about uh, how LeBron won a title with his third team now. But yeah. Yeah. I, I like how he gave a speech that said, uh, give me my respect now. But uh, apparently, you know, he doesn't get any respect. But, that's a, you know. Much like Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> yeah, right. He's the Rodney Dangerfield of the NFL or of the NFL, the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're very excited for today's episode because we have a very exciting host. That is uh, JP Adams. He's a savage superstar, and we thank you for joining us today. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me in. It's very good. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what your podcast is, stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, hello, Internet. Uh, my name is John Paul Adams. Uh, most of the time on the Internet, you'll find me by the name of Judge JP as... For the majority of my life, I have worked professionally as a Magic the Gathering judge. That's where the judge in my name comes in. Uh, I currently work as a tournament organizer representative for a large company here on the East Coast. I'm based out of Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, however, uh, back in February, I'd been working on a project for about six months and finally went live with a podcast called The Geek Bracket. Uh, the Geek Bracket is a five-round trivia podcast that focuses on geek culture, geek categories, geek topics, from television to movies to popular to comics to gaming. It's kind of all thrown in there in a game show style format. Um by the time this episode comes out, we'll be nearing the uh, finals where all of the winners from the previous months are going to come back and compete in a tournament style year end event. So if you want to catch up on the show again, that is the Geek Bracket. You can find us at Geek Bracket Pod on Twitter and then the Geek Bracket in podcasting apps where you can find them. Awesome. Very good intro. Um, so. Uh, we're going to do a triviality game today. JP is going to be hosting for us. So uh, I wanted to team up with uh, Matt again as we're the, uh, we got something to prove still, right? Yeah. I mean, we won one game. So, yeah. you know, let's try to keep that streak going. Let's keep going. We got uh, Neil and Jeff, the juggernauts over here. So what's your team name going to be? Uh, I'll let Jeff take it. Um, well, I think we're going to be the Justice League. Because you're the superheroes of trivia, right? Uh, so we've been told. At least in this room. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, me and Matt will try to take you down a notch. So we're going to be the boys. <laughs> so, uh, JP, uh, which uh, rules guy do you want to hear from? Dutch, regular, or you have your, uh, your uh, Gilbert Godfrey? Crispy. 
extra crispy Gilbert Gottfried. Extra crispy. Mm, you know, I, you know. let's just keep it straight down the middle. Let's take the normal rules guy this normal time. Normal rules guy. Take it away, Darren. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. I am the cream. All right, boys, you ready to get going? Uh, I'm ready to get going. I do want to say uh, JP is in the company of Reinhold and Dredd is uh, my favorite judges. So <laughs> my name is Judge. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah. Wark. <laughs> All right. So let's take it away with round one. Round one is actually themed around the categories you would find on my show, just to keep a couple themes going throughout the episode. We'll start with question one in the category of television, specifically Go Go Power Rangers. The first six seasons of the Power Rangers franchise form a single semi-connected story arc over the course of nearly 300 episodes. What was the final series included in this connected arc, concluding with the Countdown to Destruction, a two-part finale that sees the destruction of Mechanic Empire when Zordon's glass container is destroyed and his good energy neutralizes the forces of evil across the galaxy? Spoilers. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I, I remember watching the first three fairly religiously on, I guess that was until like 96 and then the movie but after that I, I did not follow it too much okay um, I have an idea here Jeff uh, there really isn't any um, thunder behind it but uh, I think we can lock in with it alright so if I understand this question correctly there's a lot of different Power Rangers series where it says like Power Rangers Dino Thunder, Power Rangers, Space Rangers, Power Rangers Rescue. That's what we're, mm -hmm. Wild Rangers or whatever. That we're looking for one of those, right, Matt? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think um, there's like Zeo and Turbo. I think Turbo is one that one of the movies was based on, but I don't know which so year that was. So we want a late was. one then. My, my first thought was in space. I think that they ended in space. Yeah. Space Rangers, Power Rangers, Space Rangers. Just Power Rangers, just in space. I think I've never heard of that. <laughs> Did you hear the other ones? I, I know Rescue is one. I know Dino Thunder is one. I think those are way later, though. Those are like in there's like thirty seasons now. Okay, I'll, I'll leave it up to Matt. We're gonna we're gonna lock in with the Power Rangers in space. Weren't too uh, confident on anything. Uh, I know they had different themes and whatnot. One of them. I remember being like samurai or something like that. I just don't think that that was like an arc. Uh, so we kind of went on the dino angle um, and uh, we just said extinction. All right. I don't think there's been a series called Extinction, but in that connected story arc, you do have Zeo, you do have Turbo, and it does end with Power Rangers in space. That is correct. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice Leave it up to Matt for a Power Rangers question. Yeah, I watched a, a YouTube documentary that went over like the story arc at one point in time because I was interested to see how it kept going after everyone stopped watching. But it goes on up. for a long time. It, it goes on. And it's it's a beautiful wreck, but it's a wreck. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to question two. In theater, I have the category Fake and Bacon. According to the algorithms of the Oracle of Bacon, Kevin Bacon isn't even the best center of the Hollywood universe, with most actors only averaging around a 3.1795 with Bacon. This puts him at the 543rd best center of the Hollywood universe. Based on their list of Hollywood centers, name any of the top 12 actors on their list with an average connection to other actors below 3.0. I think if you include podcasts, we're all 2.0 bacon. Yeah, I think so. From our, our knowing James Hong. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> okay, I, uh, I kind of outlined uh, my thesis for Jeffrey over here, uh, and we're going to lock in with an answer. Okay. So we're looking for somebody with a lower Bacon number than Bacon himself. Um, mm -hmm. We tossed a few names back and forth. I'm trying to think of people who are in like big ensemble things. Um, yeah. Do you think um, 
Do you think Samuel Jackson is a good one, maybe? Because he was in yeah. Star Wars and Marvel. I, I do think that's a good one, actually. Let's let's do that. Okay. Okay, so the discussion that I had with Jeff, um, going over this question, uh, the, the way I looked at it, I should say, is that uh, in order to have um, as many connections as Kevin Bacon, or more than Kevin Bacon, is to have been in a lot of films... So my thinking was uh, the actor in question of the top 12 would have to be someone old and someone who is in um, both artistic films and films of a big budget nature because they'd be in the big budget ones, which will get them the names, the artistic ones um, to get some of the smaller uh, character actors and whatnot. So um, I wrote down Samuel Jackson. I definitely think he's got to be like top 12, uh, maybe towards the end of that list because he's a little younger. Um, But I wrote down Anthony Hopkins, Christopher Plummer and Christopher Lee. Because they've been in franchises, they've been in indie movies, they've been in regular big budget studio movies. So um, I think we're going to go with uh, Anthony Hopkins uh, for our answer. All right. Uh, I'll take this list and try to go through it as quick as possible. Number one is Christopher Lee. Two is Harvey Keitel. Three is Christopher Plummer. Four is Michael Caine. Five, Donald Sutherland. Six, Martin Sheen. Seven, De Niro. Eight, John Hurt. Nine, Ben Kingsley. 10, Anthony Hopkins, so that's a correct answer. 11, Ernest Borgnine. And squeaking in at 12 with a 2.9967 is Samuel L. Jackson. (laughs) Points all around. That was anxiety-inducing right there. We said De Niro, too. the other ones, too. Neil named four of the other ones. Like, Neil's entire list was Was in the top 12, yeah. That was my guess. It had to have been age. That was my guess, at least my logic. I'm surprised Harvey Keitel... Yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess he's in, uh, I mean, you got National Treasure and all the the mob movies. He's not and... in like a ton of stuff anymore, though. So that's that's why. No. I'm not surprised Sam L is so far down because there's a lot of repeats with like being yeah. in all the Avengers. Oh, like, that's good A point. lot of the Avengers are in a lot of the Avengers mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah. yeah. All right, let's move along with question three in the general category of literature. Let's talk about Shakespeare, but recycled. Only one fictional character appears on stage in multiple of Shakespeare's plays, two histories, and one comedy. What is this character's name? We can let them talk, Jeff, if you're good with this answer. Yep, we can lock it in. Okay. I really don't know. Yeah, and and fictional kind of eliminates some of the, I was going to say, like, I don't know, Cleopatra or... yeah. That's out. But they're real. So, so. let's say, um, <laughs> just say, uh, well, what's what the, are, who's the who's the skull in uh, York? Let's go with York. <laughs> okay, poor York. Uh, he yeah, makes a cameo as a skull. Uh, this character, I believe, uh, is the one that Tom Hanks uh, portrayed in an outdoor Shakespeare theater production uh, not too long ago. Uh, that'd be Falstaff. Appearing in The Merry Wives of Windsor and King Henry the Fourth, Part 1 and 2, that is Falstaff. Uh, this question, actually, as I was going back through, I've been listening through the back catalog of the show, and just two days ago, I came across this question in an episode that happened two years ago. Oh, wow. well, I, I, I don't felt feel like bad. that's far enough removed to be fair game to come back on the show. I don't feel and bad I, about that at all. Yeah, to be honest, <laughs> I don't even remember the question being asked, so... Me neither. All right. Let's move on to question four in popular literature and an unexpected crossover. Two dystopian works won a lesser known novel written by Mary Shelley in the 19th century. The other a graphic novel series written by Brian K. Vaughan and penciled by Pia Guerra. Share what common title? All right. uh, Not too sure on this one. So we will lock in. Okay. Uh, Matt, there's a, I, I'm not so good with uh, graphic novels um, if, I ha- if I don't actually know the authors and I have not heard of these. Dystopian uh, Saga comes to mind. I know that's one that might be more sci-fi, but you just want to go with Saga since we really don't know. Yeah, it sounds good. Okay, Saga. We didn't really have any bearing on uh, different graphic novels. Uh, I wrote down Kingsman. I don't think that's uh, Brian K. Vaughn, and I don't think he did Why the Last Man. Um, I wrote down From Hell as well, the Jack the Ripper one, but uh, we ended up just going Why the Last Man, but I don't think that's correct. All right. Uh, So, boys, uh, you did actually get a Brian K. Vaughn book in Saga, but uh, he did not work with Pia Guerra on that book. 
He did work with Pia Guerra on the book Why the Last Man, and Mary oh, Shelley man. wrote The Last Man as a Get tribute to her husband, Percy Shelley. So, uh, points for the Justice League. What a grab. That's the only, I don't, I've never read it. Uh, the only reason I know about it is DJ Caruso was supposed to direct an adaptation a long time ago, and I said I was going to read it, and I never did. Uh, yeah, I read like one or two of them, I think. It, both Saga and Why the Last Man are honestly like number one and number two on my favorite graphic novels of all time. Hmm. All right. Uh, question five is going to be an actual question five. Uh, on my show, I have a guest expert in every single month. Uh, and so Carmelo Smith was act of the Oaks Media Group was actually in as my expert during Pride Month. So I asked her if I could borrow one of the leftover questions that she gave me, and I've put it in here. And the category is scared, but not straight. Ryan Murphy's most famous show is arguably American Horror Story. American Horror Story has aired nine seasons thus far, with a wide cast of people playing different parts each season. There are two actors that have been in eight seasons, the most of any actors involved. Name both of them. A man that has also had his turn as a super mutant and a woman who is a queer icon currently in a relationship with Holland Taylor. I'll give you five points apiece for each correct answer. So, Matt, I know for sure the woman. Mm-hmm. It's probably the person who's who I can picture, but whose name I don't know. So, yeah. um. I think I know the guy. Like I, I've I watched a few seasons of American Horror Story, and this guy's in all of them, but I can't remember his name Is he either. X Man. He, yeah, I think he's, I think he's in the um, first class movies, possibly. Okay, we can lock in then. All right, so they're locked in. Um, I love the uh, the coupling of Holland Taylor and uh, Sarah Sarah Paul. So that's definitely our first answer from Ratchet. Um, I'm just trying to remember the guy's name. He was um, not Silver Streak. What the hell is his name? Uh, the fast guy from X-Men. Um, Quicksilver. Quicksilver. Uh, his name's uh, Evan um, Evan Peters. Evan, uh, no. I don't think we're going to get it. We need both, right, JP? Uh, so each one is going to net you five points apiece. Oh, okay. So we'll get something out of it. Uh, so yeah, Sarah Paul uh, for the one answer. And then Evan... I can't think of his last name. Uh, we're going to say Evan Almighty. Peters. Yeah, Evan Almighty. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to say Evan Peters. You borrowed an a uh, answer from Peter to pay Paul, didn't you? Oh, yes. Um, I came up with Sarah Paulson and Matt had... Uh, Evan Peters, I believe is right. Yeah. Evan Peters is correct and it is Sarah Paulson. I'll let you guys decide if you want to give credit to Sarah Paul as opposed to Sarah Paulson. No mercy. Uh, so yeah, that's no, the, see, yeah, and that's the one I knew 100%, and then I said it wrong. And then the one I didn't know, I said, anyway. It's your concussion. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that damn concussion. All right, well, in that case, uh, full points for the boys, but only five for the Justice League. Yep, that brings us to 30, I believe, and these uh, Justice League boys over here, 35. <laughs> All right, we'll go to question six. This is going to be the general category of gaming, and let's talk some Final Fantasy. Nice. This is good for us. Though the games of Final Fantasy are known worldwide, their image has been just as groundbreaking as well. Artist Yoshitaka Amano, also of Vampire Hunter D fame, was the first character designer for the series and provides logo images for each numbered game in the series to the present day. Which game in the series was Amano's last to include his work as lead character designer, with this game being the last to include sprite modeling for the mainline series games? Okay, me and Matt are going to go ahead and lock in. All right, Jeff, I don't know what sprite modeling is, uh, if it has nothing to do with soft drinks. So, <laughs> Yeah, um, I know that the um, characters, and, and this was based on I, their transition to PlayStation 2, but the modeling changed, I'm sure, quite a lot between Final Fantasy 9 and 10. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we want to guess 9, but... If that was a, yeah, a change. I don't, I don't know what sprite modeling is, unfortunately. I mean, it sounds like you're right, though, going from one system to another, they would have upgraded graphics. So you think 9 would have been right before they would have upgraded? That's okay. what we can guess, but All right. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss. I'm good with that. So you guys might actually have some sort of point here in that the... Um, the characters that ran around on the backgrounds are a little different than the ones in the fight screen. But we're taking it one step further 
and saying that the sprites ended at 6, which was the last 2D game, and then it went 3D with 7. And you are exactly correct. It was the jump from the Super NES to the PlayStation for 7 that made them go to 3D modeling away from sprite modeling. Final Fantasy 6 is correct. Well done, boys. I think that me and Ken was probably the perfect team for that, to be honest. Yeah. That's right in our wheelhouse. <laughs> I'm so angry about Sarah Paulson. <laughs> Her name was Sarah Paulson. Her name was Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. <laughs> uh, how about Ratchet, by the way? Uh, our friends uh, all the time after watching One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest uh, side with Nurse Ratchet uh, for getting... Uh, getting uh, Jack Nicholson is a violent pedophile in that uh, movie, just uh, for the record. He definitely Sarah ruins... Sarah Paulson's just trying to get everybody her, their, uh, you know, their medication, medication on medication. time. He's, he's taking them on adventures. He's a bull in a china <laughs> shop. Them in, in danger. Yeah, he gets gets one of them killed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she gets a little mean at the end, but she's just a working professional. Now she's like a horror movie character in this new thing. Yeah. I think what we have... Well, I'm not for it. What we're, what we're trying to say is that the, the healthcare uh, universe needs an overhaul to make sure everyone's taken care of. That's right. Properly. <laughs> I think that was the point <laughs> 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 it's a long road there, but we got there. All right. We'll swing over to question seven. Then this is our generalized music category with the specific of on tour. The longest running modern tour interrupted by gestures wildly at everything <laughs> was Billy Joel in concert with his 2014 run coming to a close in March of 2020 in Mexico City. According to setlist.fn, the most played song by Joel in concert is Piano Man at over 800 performances across all concerts. Name any two of the other top seven, each with over 600 performances apiece. I'll give you five points per correct song. I'll let you guys go first. Jeff got super excited when he heard Billy Joel. He loves Billy mm -hmm. Joel. And, he, and then I said, does Angie know that you like Billy Joel? And he said, no. And I said, tell her about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Do you want to go these two? Yeah, I think so. All right. We are locked in. Okay. Uh, Matt, are you a fan of uh, 70s Joel or 80s Joel? Or <laughs> I'm a fan of the William Joel before the pop doo-wop nonsense. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, not the biggest Billy Joel guy. Right. Uh, I think Uptown Girl. Right. I, I think Uptown Girls definite. I would say we didn't start the fire, but I don't think he likes playing that song. I think that's one of the ones I read that he doesn't like playing. Yeah, I might not go with that one. Um, there's uh, You May Be Right. There's mm -hmm. uh, oh, I'm definitely Still crazy. Rock and Roll to Me. Uh, there's is uh, it Mr. B or Big Shot, something like that. Big Man on Mulberry Street. There's um, There is Tell Her About It. I don't think Just a Fantasy. That's a good one. Oh, uh, by, by Ludacris? I don't know that Billy one. Joel? Just, just a fantasy. <laughs> you may Songs be right. I've heard is pretty of is a good <laughs> Let's go with You May Be Right. You May Be Right in okay. Uptown Girl? Yeah. Okay. We'll go We'll go two different albums. Okay. Um, yeah, I wrote down Uptown Girl right away. I just thought that's a fun one for concerts. Uh, I was trying to remember the one songs from an Italian restaurant, whatever it's called. Yeah, but we decided to go with uh, Anthony's song, which is commonly known as I'm Moving Out. All right, so both teams going with Uptown Girl, which is number 19 on the list with 362 plays over all of his concerts, surprisingly enough. Get out of here. Yeah, I am surprised with that because this set list seems very strange. Uh, Anthony's song, Moving Out, that's number 11 at 533 cycles on tour. Yeah, um, you may be right is going to get five points for the boys. That's number four at 704 performances apiece. If you'd gone with scenes with an Italian restaurant, that's number two at 723. You chose the wrong one to go with, Justice League. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, no, this list is wild if you get a chance to look at it because there's songs that you're like, oh yeah, that absolutely has to be there. But no, like New York State of Mind is off the top of the chart. So is Uptown Girl. Like it's- He just plays the whole uh, soundtrack to Oliver and company and he just calls it- <laughs> I mean, I, why should we worry if he's going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll move away from that and all the bad feels that that created and go to number eight on sports in One Hit Wonders. 
In 2019, the Washington Nationals, previously the Montreal Expos, won their first World Series in their first appearance in the series. Name either of the other two teams to win their first and, as of 2020, only appearances, one each winning in the back-to-back years of 2001 and 2002. We can lock in. Okay. Uh, Jeff and I looked at each other. Um, We remembered that the Arizona Diamondbacks had... Uh, sort of those memorable jerseys with the A and the just the, the crazy colors, the crazy colors um, that they had. But um, we think they won the World Series, and that was like their one of their first years that they ever went. So we went Diamondbacks. Uh, yeah, 2001 was definitely uh, the Diamondbacks. That was the Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling team. And I think 2002 was the Angels, but we're going to lock in with the Diamondbacks. And I was going to ask, Matt, if you knew what the second one was. Diamondbacks were 2001, and 02 was the L.A. Angels. Uh, points all around. Yeah, that was the uh, the Rally Monkey team. They had the monkey that would dance on the on the dugout, I believe. Like Good an team. actual monkey or a mascot? No, it was an actual monkey, I think, in a little angel's hat. Oh. Great, greatest mascot of all time. Now, greatest uh, duel of all time in the MLB, Randy Johnson and Bird, or no? <laughs> well, that was a little one-sided, actually. <laughs> I think the the bird gets to take first base. I think is how it works. <laughs> we can move on from there. All right, let's move on then. Uh, number nine is innovations, which is kind of my catch-all science, technology. I don't know where else to put these questions, so they get shoved in here category. Uh, and we're going to specifically have a table discussion. The modern periodic table was first published in 1869 by chemist Dmitry Mendeleev, who later had an element named for him somewhere in the table. In what specific subsection of the table can the element named after him be found? I think we can lock in. I I know you can lock in. I'm just going to sit here and be pretty. (laughs) All right. Justice League is locked in. Uh... Uh, not, Not good category for us, I don't think. Yeah, not, yeah, not good. so much. Not good. This is not good. Um, <laughs> Do you men- think it's a man-made element? Huh? I know that's a category. Uh, man-made elements. That's There's a category. Like all the, and yeah, it's like I think one oh eight through like one. It's like one of the later yeah, ones. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but that that category is called the the man-made ones. That's what I think. Okay, let's do that. I think in the bottom group. Um, that's like kind of removed from the periodic table that they usually drop down because it would be too long otherwise. You have the lanthanides and then the actinides, and I think it's one of the actinides. So named for the first element in its row, they are referred to as the actinides. They were a little more specific. All right, so question 10. I have nine categories on my show, so I had to come up with a 10th for this one, so I just went with a category I know a lot about. Hope you like musical theater. This is a question about whips. Okay. Hamilton is fantastic, and I'm ecstatic that everyone got the same chance I had in 2016 to see the original Broadway cast. One of the most incredible performances in the musical is Lafayette's rap in Guns and Ships, wherein David Diggs spits out 19 words in three seconds for an average lyric rate of 6.3 words per second, or WPS. This is the fastest of any Broadway staged musical, according to 538.com. While this is incredible, this single section of the song barely topples the 68 words in 11 seconds, or 6.2 WPS, from what 1970 Tony Award Best Musical by Stephen Sondheim that debuted on Broadway exactly 45 years before Hamilton. Just, just think of Mandy Patinkin reading off his uh, his list at the grocery store for his wife, and that's uh, Sondheim. Um, all right, I guess let's just go with this one because I can't think of another. Okay. Okay, we're locked in. Two Sondheims right off the top of my head are Sweeney Todd, but I think that was maybe a little later than 70, Into mm-hmm. the Woods of Sondheim. Uh, those are the two that I'm sure are Sondheim, so maybe let's just go Into the Woods. Uh, so to echo them, yeah, Into the Woods, I wrote down, uh, I can't remember when that one came out, Sunday in the Park with George, I think that was later, um, I know he was younger when he did that one, I think, Miss Info has a, a great uh, episode on Sondheim um, that I think mentions this, but I just I can't remember, um, I also wrote down Company, uh, which I don't remember, 
that one specifically has one. Um, it was later too, I think. Yeah, and and if you haven't seen Documentary Now's uh, episode uh, on <laughs> uh, Co-op, which is a parody of Company, it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, we went with Sweeney Todd. I can't remember if it's the judge or it actually might be Angela Lansbury who has a really really long monologue uh, in one of the songs, and uh, that's the only reason I went with it. So we all, or I said Sweeney Todd for our team. All right. No points on this one. Uh, Into the Woods is 87. Uh, Sweeney Todd is 79. But the Fast Patter song that we are talking about is Not Getting Married Today from the uh, wonderful documentary. If you get a chance to watch it, it is company that that song comes from. I forgot about that song. That was that early? Yeah, Company is wow. 1970. Uh, Sunday in the Park is 84. Like most of the stuff you guys were saying was much later than Company itself. Company is actually a pretty early work. Looks like uh, both teams have 55. Yeah, we're, we're tied up, literally and figuratively. <laughs> Neil, Neil's been practicing some shibari on me, so. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> All right, well, let's see if this swing round can mix things up from those 55 points. Let's talk about three foods, though. I had to stop myself from laughing at the top of the episode when we were uh, chatting a bit about Twinkies. We're going to be talking about three types of food, okra, Twinkies, and tofu. So these are specifically talking about ways that different words are actually defined and explained uh, within the game that I work with the most, Magic the Gathering. And it's kind of a way that they world build using these three different types of food. Uh, okra are specifically defined as words that are actually real, but in the context they're put, they seem fake. Twinkies are words that are completely fake and not of this world. And tofu are words that are made up of real stuff, but they're jammed together in a way that seems bizarre and alien. Now, the last time I was on the show was during one of the Star Trek specials. So I actually have examples of each of these from the world of Star Trek, just to give you a little bit of an anchor on this concept. Uh, examples of okra that I have are dilithium from dilithium chamber and tachyon from tachyon beam. Dilithium and tachyon are real things, but you put them in those contexts and they kind of lose all meaning. Uh, examples of Twinkies that I have are the Klingon Empire. Klingon is a made-up word and comes from nowhere. And examples of tofu that I have are holodeck, jamming together the words hologram and deck to create the holodeck. And the species of the Borg, as in cyborg, which is just a shortening of that word. For this swing round, uh, I'm going to give you 10 words. And for each of those words, I just want you to tell me, are they an okra, a Twinkie, or a tofu? All right. So with that being said, here are your 10 words for the swing round. Number one is loxodon, as in the venerated loxodon. Number two is unobtainium as pictured in Avatar and Minecraft. Number three is Haru Specs, as in Grim Haru Specs. Number four is the nation-state of Wakanda. Number five is Skute, as in Skute Swarm. Number six is Holtzman, as in the Holtzman effect from Dune. Number seven is simply the word transmogrify. Number eight is tanuki, as in the tanuki suit in Mario games. Number nine is wingmare, as in Vrind wingmare. And number 10 is the Mandalorian. Okay, we're going to take some time and be back with our answers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. 
I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back from that swing round. Uh, we need to decide if these are okra, Twinkie, or tofu. Okra being real words, Twinkie being fake words that sound kind of real, and tofu being uh, words that come from real words but are kind of mixed up a little bit. So here we go. Number one. Lead us in, please. Uh all right, number one is Loxodon, as in the venerated Loxodon. Uh, let's go with the Justice League first. Uh, we think this is Twinkie. Just totally made up. Yep, we too think it's made up, Twinkie. Well, I have some bad news for you. Based on the genus Loxodontus, which is the genus for elephants, this is Tofu, because Loxodon are elephant people. Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll swing to number two. This is Unobtainium from the Avatar and Minecraft franchises. Uh, we'll start with the boys this time. So we are pretty sure that Unobtainium is a scientifically valid real word. So we said okra. Uh, we think this is some form of tofu. All right. And Oxford Languages defines Unobtainium as a highly desirable material that is hypothetical, scientifically impossible, extremely rare, costly, or some combination of these properties. This is okra. Points for the boys. Uh, we'll go with number three, Haru Specs, as in Grim Haru Specs. We'll go back to the Justice League. Uh, we're pretty sure this one's okra. Yeah, I've heard this word before, and I'm not sure the context. I know there's a band with a similar name, and I think it's maybe something to do with uh, ancient Egypt, but I'm not so sure. But we went with okra for a real, real word. Well, hopefully you got a strong summit because haruspice is the reading of omens from entrails. This is indeed okra. Points all around. Number four is the nation state of Wakanda. Uh, I believe this is the boys. Uh, Wakanda is made up, so we said Twinkie. Uh, we agree. We went Twinkie. Well, unfortunately, there are lots of debated sources from this, including Native American and East African gods and goddesses, as well as a basis in the works of Edgar Rice Burroughs. This is actually tofu, so no points going to either team this time. Number five is skewt, as in skewt swarm. Uh, Justice League. Uh, we think this one is uh, tofu. And we think this is maybe something, uh, you know, in the magic world, so we think it's Twinkie made up. And no points for anybody this time either. A scute is a thickened, horny, or bony plate on a turtle's shell or on the back of a crocodile or stegosaurus or some other large lizard. This is real. Or a, so no points. Or a phrase uh, that I heard in middle school, middle school often when uh, girls would say, you're scute, but just not for me. <laughs> oh, honey, I heard that so many times too. <sighs> All right, number six, uh, the Holtzman effect, or specifically Holtzman of the Holtzman effect from Dune, the boys. Uh, just based on Dune being a pretty heady work, we think maybe that's real, and we said okra. We felt the same way. We thought maybe it was based off of like a physicist or something, so we said okra. And based on my research, while the concept of faster-than-light travel and time-folding are real, Holtzman is just a made-up scientist. So this is not a real thing. This is our first Twinkie of the round. That's what I get for not taking the year to read uh, Dune, you know? You got more time now. It's pushed back, so... Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll swing over to seven for Transmogrify Justice League. This one, uh, we went with Tofu. Yep, we think this is two things crammed together, and we said tofu. And dictionary.com defines transmogrify as to transform in a surprising or magical manner. This is okra. No points again. 
Uh, we'll go to number eight. This is Tanuki, as in Tanuki suit from the Mario Brothers series, uh, The Boys. That is a Japanese raccoon, so that's real. So it's okra. We went with the uh, the misspelled uh, title of the Bong Joon-ho uh, film that our grandparents uh, call okra. And it is indeed okra. This is the mythological being from Japanese folklore and also slide a couple letters around and it's the same name as a Japanese raccoon. Uh, number nine, this is Wingmare, uh, Justice League. This one we debated. We thought maybe Wingmare was like Wingmare, like German or something. But uh, in the end, we said Twinkie. And we said Tofu. And it is a wing because it has wings and mare because it's a horse. This is Tofu, points for the boys. And the last one, number 10, is the Mandalorian, boys. Uh, we said this is made up for Star Wars and said Twinkie. And uh, we uh, thought it could. It was uh, okra. And it looks like the boys found the way right there at the <laughs> end. This is Twinkie, completely made up. Right. And Mandalore was a place in the Star Wars universe. And then, no spoilers, watch The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. The boys have spoken. You, you the really boys have spoken. You kicked our Let's butts on that one. Let's hear it for the boys. Ooh, nice Footloose reference there. Love it. <laughs> so we picked up 25 on that. Um, the Justice League has how many? We only picked up 10, so we have 65. All right. All right. Round two is going to be more of a general trivia round. We'll start out with question one in the category of plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Sponsored what by Charmin. The... Sorry. <laughs> 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 what is the French name of the sculptural technique where the sculpted elements remain attached to a solid background of the same material resulting in a shallow sculpt. The technique was used in early ancient coin making. JP, I wanted to tell you this question is great uh, because I know exactly what you're talking about, but I do not know the answer. So we're going to lock in with a very incorrect answer. What do you want to say, Matt? I'm, I'm in the same boat as Neil. Do you just want to say like etching or something like that? Uh, Etch-a-sketch sounds French, kind of rhymes. We'll go with etch. We thought maybe uh, Pepe was named after La Puification. So that's what we went with. <laughs> no. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, definitely no points this round. Uh, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Uh, this is a Boz relief is what we're talking about here. Oh. Ah, Boz relief. My, fa- <laughs> my favorite establishments have that on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> It's the relief we all need in these stressful times. Sir, can I offer you a Boz relief? <laughs> hey, Matt, who's that football player? The, the Boz, right? Yeah, uh, Bosworth. Bosworth, he yeah. He, he comes Seahawks, in with his ponytail and his football jersey. <laughs> Isn't Boz relief the guy who directed Moulin Rouge? <laughs> <laughs> and the greatest Romeo and Juliet adaptation, yeah. All right, we'll move on to question two. BLM before BLM. YouTuber Adam Boehner's most well-known song was released to viral fame in 2007 and carried a strong message in its lyrics, featuring such lines as, The school books say it can't be here again. The prisons make you wonder where it went. And build a tent and say the world is dry. Zoom the camera out and see the lie. As racial prejudice metaphors well before the current Black Lives Matter movement. What is Boehner's more well-known first name? The start of the stage name his YouTube channel is run under. Okay, so I knew uh, what this was referring to, and I texted it to Matt, and he knows the name, so we're locked in. I could be wrong. Uh, I wrote a name to Jeff to see if he agreed, and I think it's Tezande, so we went with Tezande. Uh, yes, the Chocolate Rain. Everyone loves the song, but it's got really, really deep lyrics, uh, Tezande. Yeah, it was very interesting for me when I went back to research what these lyrics were and to see like what the lyrics meant all the way back in 2007. But yeah, we're talking about Tezande of Chocolate Rain fame. But he sang it kind of funny, so nobody, nobody realized. Exactly. Just... He breathed away from the mic so that you could see how he took breaths. <laughs> Oh, that guy, yeah, that's so is... true. <laughs> All right, we'll move to question three. Where there's a will, there's a way. Will Smith question. Not a Will Smith question. Uh, that's wiggity wiggity whack. <laughs> a tank class in the third-person shooter Warframe, the original name of the lead of Namco's breakout 1980 game, and a moon of Uranus. 
are all three different names that represent what type of creature often found in English literature. All right. After some discussion, Neil and I have locked in. Yeah, this is kind of a tough one. So we're kind of all over the place. So let's start. Let's start at the top, Matt. You mm-hmm. said you said Titania is maybe a tank class. It sounds like it. And I know it's I'm pretty sure it's one of the moons of Uranus. Titan is a moon of I think Saturn. Yeah. And then Namco, you're saying Pac-Man? Yeah, so that that's kind of where I where I, I kind of went away from yeah, Titania we're... because I think I think Pac-Man is the nineteen the biggest game that Namco's ever had. So that would make sense if that was the game. I don't know how to put um, this together. All names for a type of English literature creature. Um, do you just want to say giant or titan or wyvern? Yeah, dragon. Uh, maybe maybe dragon. Right, dragon we'll sounds like dragon. could be a moon. Dragon. Um, thinking about moons of Uranus because that was the only way I could come at this. I don't know much about uh, Warframe, and I couldn't think of the Namco character um i'm pretty sure as you mentioned uh titan is a moon of saturn but i know that triton is a moon of uranus because it's all like the sea creature stuff it's kind of like uh in that vein so we couldn't get any further than triton so that's what we locked in all right looks like the tribond i gave you guys didn't quite get you there uh the tank class goes by the name of oberon the namco character is pac-man but originally in japan he had the name Puck Man, mm. and the moon is Titania, so we're actually talking about different types of named fairies. Mm. So. Oh, wow. I should have gotten that, because I was the king of the fairies, Oberon, in Midsummer. Mm. Alright, we'll move right on then to question four. For honor, what is the Japanese honorific given to someone a person finds endearing? This honorific is usually given to young children, close friends, and occasionally... Adolescent women. I assume we can lock in. So we're locked in. Locked in. <laughs> uh, Jeff, this one, uh, I'm not too sure. I, don't, I mean, you might have a better barometer for this, but I know there's San is an honorific. Okay. Um, Jeff San. Jeff San. Um, Chan, C-H-A-N. I am wearing my Chan sweater say the way, today. Like Ken's uh, sweater? Yeah. Um let me see. San, Chan. Um, yeah, those are the only two I know actually off the top of my head. Um, San, I always, I always equate San. I know this is incorrect, but when I was young, I always equated San with, with male and Chan with female. And he mentioned uh, women. So do you want to go Chan? Sure. I'm not well versed in this. Okay. So I think you guys are right. Um, but again, not for the exact correct reason. So the equivalent of Chan for men or young men would be kun i believe like k-u-n so uh we're gonna say also chan and the answer i have here is chan points all around well done i don't know how that happens with me i get it right for the completely wrong reason but i'll take it (laughs) you weren't like entirely wrong but son son could be used for men and women it's just like purely honorific all right let's head to question five go on without me what is the well-known name of the producer who won the Grammy Award for Best Producer Non-Classical in 2001, following that up with two more nominations in the category in 2002 and 2003? These production credits came after his first win for solo performance in 1994, conveniently in the same genre he generally produces for. Okay, we can lock in. Okay, they're locked in. So, well-known name of the producer. So, uh, well-known producers off the top of my head. I mean, you have Timbaland, Rick Rubin, Swiss Beats. Um, I'm trying to think, though. 2002, 2003, followed up with two more nominations in the same category. I don't. I feel like he would have said it was R&B or hip-hop or rap. All right, uh, we are going to go with uh, Wynton Marsalis. <laughs> Who is that? He's Fam- a famous he's a jazz musician. Jazz musician, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I think that this is in the R&B category. Uh, somebody who was known for performing in the 90s and producing in the 2000s. For me, I go right to Babyface. So I think it's Babyface. 
No points on this one. Uh, you did. You got to R and B, but we actually needed to go to rap because this person worked on "Without Me" with mm. Eminem, and this is Dr. Dre. Mm. I need a doctor. Dang it! First half of the second round underway. Uh, we have 100 points at the boys, and the Justice League has 85. All right, we'll head to question six in the category of Kaka. Also called Christian or Missionary Cards, what trick-taking card game sees players use a deck of four color numbers, one through 14, plus a single wild card, and bidding the number of points they believe they will take in order to call that hand's trump color? This game takes its name from the name of its joker. I believe uh, one of the clues in the question uh, got us to an answer, so we're going to lock in. Yeah, I think um, when I think of trick-taking card games, I think of Rummy, and I think the one that has the the Joker card would be Gin, Rum, Gin Rummy, I believe is the name of it. Okay, we'll go with that. Uh, the Trump color um, made me think of, I think it's Euchre, and I've, I've once asked a question about it, and I can never remember what type of card games have what rules, but we ended up going with Euchre. And both of those games use decks of traditional playing cards. Not going to be a match for just the colors here. Uh, I made bird sounds at the beginning of this category because this card game is called Rook. Oh. We're bad at card games. These these come up all the time and we always do terrible. Speaking of superheroes, I think that is our kryptonite. Any sort of card game question. Yep. All right. We'll swing to question seven in Flag Me Down. The provincial flag of Saskatchewan contains a field of yellow for the grain in the southern half of the province, a field of green for the forested northern area of the map, and what flower bridging between them that can be seen across the province? Fair to say I have no idea, Matt, at all. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea? Um, No, anything I say would be a guess. All right, we're going with tulip. Uh, I don't know what what what's a very pretty flower that would that would look nice on a green and yellow flag, something white probably right, like a magnolia or a. I always associate that with being like southern U.S., but mm. nothing. How about a carnation? Okay, all right. So tulips for us, carnations for them, and no points on this one either. Uh... Was listening to a lot of the arrogant worms randomly and figured a question about Saskatchewan would be fun. I have regrets now. Uh, <laughs> the flower in question is a prairie lily. Mm. Well, this round is killing us. Yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> hopefully, keep it going. The, yeah, hopefully we'll turn it around with question eight. This is a performer tribond. I have three pieces of media that a performer has appeared in, and yes, I am using performer because I am not saying their gender. Please tell me which performer has appeared in the following three products. They appeared as a Saturday Night Live cast member. They were on The Masked Singer, and they were also in Mean Girls. We're pretty sure this person was in Mean Girls. Uh, It's going to hinge on that, so we're going to lock in with an answer. Yeah, so again, it comes down to who was in The Masked Singer. So SNL and Mean Girls, what's the overlap? We got Amy Poehler, definitely definitely not Masked Singer's. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Molly Shannon was in Mean Girls as the mom, right? I or Anna Gasteyer was Ooh. was Maya Rudolph in it because that could be an answer. And we also were considering Tim Meadows, but now that I think about it, the ladies' man. Now that I think about it, I think maybe Anna Gasteyer was in um Mass Singer because she's a Broadway performer. She was okay. in Wicked. Um, so do you want to say, do you want to say Anna Gasteyer as maybe she was the mom in Me Girls? Yeah, I think, I think that that's a good one. All right. We're going to go with Anna Gasteyer. Because Amy Poehler was the cool mom, right? Yeah. 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 She's not a regular mom. She wore the, uh, the suits, the sweatsuits. Um, yeah. So we were talking about SNL and, um, Mean Girls cast members. And I do remember, I don't watch the show, but I remember seeing... Anna Gasteyer unmasked and wondering why she didn't go farther because she was great uh, on Broadway in Wicked. So we also went Anna Gasteyer. And I am going to be the third voice that says Anna Gasteyer and also surprised she didn't do better because good Lord, she has an amazing voice. But yeah, finally points all around in the round. Hey. 
We got it. All right. Uh, we'll go with question nine in the category of regional connections. What U.S. city is home to beacons, deacons, ducks, and the goddess of victory in Greek mythology? Okay. Well, we can lock in then. So I'm thinking this question is mascots for sporting teams, Jeff, or colleges. Well, I think I think the goddess of victory in Greek mythology is Nike. And Phil Knight, the head, I think Nike headquarters is in Oregon. Oregon has the Ducks as one of their teams. So right. Do you know what city they play in in Oregon? Uh, I, I don't. Not in Oregon. I mean, I, Portland. I can't think of the other ones. I mean, uh, you're a big Nike fan. I thought maybe you'd know. No, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I, I was just thinking Deacons. I know is a, I think a college mascot, and then the Beacons. I'm not sure, but they're all capitalized. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're all college teams in in whatever town this is, city this is. I can't remember where Nike's headquarters is. I can't either. And I, I know it's what it sounds like. I just I can't think of it. So what do you want to just say um what US City? Do you want to say I guess just to go Portland? Because I can't sure. I can't think of it. Okay. So you're in the right area of the country and where I have a question is I know that the University of Oregon is in Eugene, Oregon. And I think that the that the Nike uh corporate headquarters is in Beaverton. But I think I think maybe that's like a subdivision of Eugene. So I think I think we're just going to lock in with Eugene, Oregon. And you are correct. Home of the University of Oregon Ducks, as well as the headquarters for Nike. This is Eugene, Oregon. Points for the boys. All right. Last question of regulation. Last question. And I apologize for a little bit of geography heavy back half of this round. Question 10 is go west, young man. What two countries are due west of the continental United States? Okay, we can lock in. Let's go Japan and China. And we said Japan and South Korea. And the answer is Japan and the very top half of Russia crooks down into the Pacific Ocean, cutting off any access to China. So it is Russia and Japan. No Mm. points on this one. All right, looks like the boys have 120. And uh, Justice League a little bit behind with 95. Pretty close as we head to the final round. Tried to go back a little bit on theme for this. Our final round is going to have a little bit to do with some podcast names. Number one is in the category of geek bracketeering. Number two, the cream rises to the top. Number three is blood sport. Number four is misinformation. And number five is A Game with Death. All right. While we uh, look at our wagers for these questions, just wanted to remind everyone that JP is a Patreon supporter and we appreciate his support. And if you'd like to join him, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast for a bunch of great perks like posters, boxes, stickers, and over 35 hours of bonus content. And if you'd like to talk to JP over on our social media, you can go to The Crop on Facebook or at TrivialityPod on Instagram and Twitter. All the wagers are now locked in, so let's hear the questions and hope for mercy. All right, we'll start off in category one with geek bracketeering. Bracketeering is a 2017 game produced by what interactive video game company, previously known as Jellyvision Games, whose original game was hosted by a guy named Cookie? Question two in The Cream Rises to the Top. A certain trivia podcast recently asked me to do some voiceover work, reworking a classic promo from a profession from professional wrestling. In the shoot, wrestler Randy Macho Man Savage discusses how he'll rise back to the top after losing the WWF Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania 4. Which wrestling belt, promotion, and title? was the last title that the Macho Man held in his career before his retirement in 2000. Question three in Bloodsport? Having listened to quite a few episodes of this and many other trivia podcasts, questions get asked about blood donors and recipients all the time. However, which blood type is the universal plasma donor? Don't mind the RH factor. Question four, in misinformation. Similar to misinformation, the Mandela effect is the dissemination of misinformation throughout commonly perceived narratives in popular culture. An oft-referenced Mandela effect 
is the 1984 Academy Awards speech misquoted as, you like me, you really like me, which instead should be, I can't deny the fact that you like me. Right now, you like me. For what film performance did this actress give this misquotable line while accepting her Oscar? Really quick, are you asking for the character or the film? Uh, I'm asking for the film. And question five in A Game with Death. In Greek mythology, Hades is the god of the underworld. What is his Roman equivalent? We will think these over and we'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. And our answers are all locked in, so... Let's uh, let's hear the questions one more time and uh, see how we did. I'm a little nervous, though, Matt. What do you think? I think we did well, but I think they wagered more, so we'll see we'll how it see. goes. All right. So question number one in Geek Bracketeering, we asked uh, what game studio developed the game Bracketeering. Uh, we'll go with the Justice League. Uh, what was your bet and your answer? All right. We wagered 20 points on this one, and uh, we think this is uh, the studio that became Jackbox Games. Yep, we're a big fan of Jackbox games as well. So we said Jackbox for 10 points. And I had to get a Chicago question in somewhere, and they are a Chicagoland company. Jackbox Games is correct. All right, question two. Cream rises to the top. I wanted to know the final belt that Randy Macho Man Savage had before his retirement in 2000. Uh, We'll start with the boys this time. We wagered 10 points, and I'm going to give this one over to Matt, obviously. (laughs) <laughs> obviously yeah i believe uh he pinned magic mike star kevin nash in this one uh when he won the wcw heavyweight championship and we wagered 20 uh I, unlike wwe who has many many different belts i couldn't remember any other belts than the wcw world heavyweight championship belts uh, and that is what we locked in with and what was your bet on that and we bet 20 all right and again points all around wcw world heavyweight championship was that final belt All right, question three in Bloodsport. Asked a question not about uh, blood, but about blood plasma donors and the universal plasma donor. Uh, Justice League, bet and answer. Yep, so we wagered 20 on this one. We know the universal red blood cell donor is O, but we think on the plasma it's AB. And we wagered 10, and we don't know the difference, so we said O. And this is the difference between platelets and plasma. Plasma wants you to be AB because it does not have the antibodies that fight against A or B blood types. So points for Justice League. Uh Uh-oh. Not good. (laughs) This is not good. (laughs) Well, let's go to question number four on misinformation, or should I say the Mandela effect about a misheard Academy Awards speech in 1984. Uh, The Boys, what film do you think that that actress accepted that award for? Uh, We wagered 10, and we made the bad guess of Steel Magnolias. We wagered uh, 15 on this, uh, and uh, although Sally Field, who I think you were referencing, was in Steel Magnolias, uh, this was uh, her famed performance in Norma Ray. 
This was not actually Sally Field's performance in Norma Ray. This was Sally Field, but it was her performance in the film Places of the Heart. Ooh. That could be that could be important to the outcome of this game. I forgot about her other Oscar-winning performance. So question five, game with death, asking who the Roman god of the underworld was. Uh, Justice League, what was your bet and what was your answer? Well, we wagered 20 again on this one, and we said Pluto. Uh, yep, we wagered 10 and we said Pluto. And not a planet anymore, but still means a lot to us. We are talking about Pluto. All right, that concludes the game. And even though the boys were dominant through the entire game and uh, we answered more questions correctly, uh, the wagers just killed us. And uh, looks like today's cream of the crop is the Justice League. Oh, girl, you know that I'm the cream of the crop. Well, when uh, you're superheroes, uh, the real mm-hmm. superpowers win in the end. Guess you're yeah. right. Yeah. We learned yeah, to, a lesson. To quote, to quote my friend Rob Schneider, we suck again. We suck again. <laughs> but we had fun. Thank you, JP, for hosting that one for us. Hey, and thank you guys for having me in. This was a blast, and I'm glad you all had the time to get me in. We'd be very happy to come back and host for you guys again, and thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, definitely. And one more time, can you plug your uh, podcast for us? Absolutely. Uh, I would love to plug the Geek Bracket, and you can follow us on Twitter at geekbracket.com. And also want to throw a shout out. Thank you to the 24 people in the crop who helped test this game. Thank you all so much for your help on this. I will post a big thank you in the crop whenever this episode does go live. Uh, I did want to give one shout out here as we're wrapping up. Uh, My industry is very heavily tied to travel and theater and large centers, and that's a lot of stuff that's been closed down. So I want to give a shout out that if you're not supporting independent artists and not supporting independent creators, be it on Patreon, be it on whatever medium that they're using for support, find local creators, find local creative people, find creative people you're personally passionate about and support them. Everyone who's a creator, everyone who's an artist needs support at all times, and especially in times like this now. Uh, Thanks for giving me the time to shout out the creators who I'm passionate about here at the end of the show. Awesome. Thanks again. We had a blast, and uh, that'll do it for today's episode. For Matt, Jeff, Neil, I'm Ken. That was Triviality. Like this is mostly gonna be meal, meal, meal. <laughs> meal as I'm known meal. at uh, different takeout restaurants meal. around this area. <laughs> this is mostly gonna be meal making a decision.